If political development implied movement beyond patrimonial relationships and personalistic politics, one also had to explain why these practices survived in many places and why seemingly modern systems often reverted to them. The answers to many of these questions were not to be found in political order and changing societies. In revisiting Huntington's topic, this prehistory would require considerable clarification. Hence the current book, which looks at the historical origins of political institutions as well as the process of political decay. This is the first of two volumes, and it deals with political development from pre-human times up to roughly the eve of the French and American revolutions. The present volume is about the past. Indeed, it starts not with recorded human history, but with mankind's primate ancestors. The first four parts deal with human prehistory, the origins of the state, the rule of law, and finally, accountable government. The second volume will bring the story up to the present, paying special attention to the impact that Western institutions had on institutions and non-Western societies as they sought to modernize. It will then describe how political development occurs in the contemporary world. It is extremely important to read this volume in anticipation of what is to come in the second. As I make clear in the final chapter of this book, political development in the modern world occurs under substantially different conditions from those in the period up until the late 18th century. Once the Industrial Revolution occurred and human societies exited the Malthusian conditions they had experienced up to then, a new dynamic was added to the process of social change that would have huge political consequences. Readers of this volume might get the impression that some of the long historical continuities described here mean that societies are trapped by their histories. But in fact, we live today under very different and more dynamic conditions. This book covers a large number of societies and historical periods. I also use material from disciplines outside my own, including anthropology, economics, and biology. Obviously, in a work of this scope, I have had to rely almost exclusively on secondary sources for the research. I have tried to pass this material through as many expert filters as possible, but it is nonetheless likely that I have made both factual and interpretational mistakes along the way. While many of the individual chapters will not pass muster with people whose job it is to study particular societies and historical periods in depth, it does seem to me that there is a virtue in looking across time and space in a comparative fashion. Some of the broader patterns of political development are simply not visible to those who focus too narrowly on specific subjects.